Welcome back to another episode of the GPP, Get the Performance Podcast, giving you the knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. The one, the only, and the best podcast to help you improve your GPP. I don't make the rules, just enforce them. All right, today we got a packed slate. You know how it goes. First thing on our menu today is we are debunking some silly shit that someone sent me. Sunny with a chance of flowers. Bubbly rosé is what I was sent. Hopefully, the first and last time I'll be sent something like that to review. We can get into some uh, some supplements and some other fuckery instead. But this one is one that I wanted to talk about. Because you know, guys, you guys know I love like calorie math and like weird manufacturing food science stuff that people do or that manufacturers do that food companies do so we'll take a look at that we're gonna get into some highlights from the week from the physique side of things pure physique episode right here so all gifted physique improvements and some bodybuilding highlights from a very busy last weekend and last but not least we will answer our reddit questions so jake go ahead and pull up this sunny with a chance of flowers sunnywines.com is what I was sent. So essentially the question from the individual was this low calorie wine or this uh, lower calorie reduced skinny wines. That's like the category. I hate it. I wish it wasn't called that, but that's what they call it. It's like skinny girl is probably the biggest player in this space in terms of the low calorie wines. This is a different one of the same milk. So let's take a look at their sunny, positively bubbly rosé. Like this stuff is so obviously marketed to someone who isn't me. So when I look at it, hate it, sucks. But I can understand that the marketing does fit a certain demographic. And the demographic is largely, I would say probably 90 to 95% of their market is going to be women who are looking to lose weight without sacrificing the wine that they like to drink. That's perfectly fine. It's a reasonable request right there. But let's take a look at why this stuff might not be in your best interest. Men looking to lose weight, we get marketed Bud Light, Corona Light, Miller Light, low Michelob Ultra, low-calorie beer offerings. The same will be true for those when we kind of zoom out a little bit and look more at the space as a whole. So one thing that's very, very strange about this sunny wines, sunny, bubbly, rosé, whatever, all of their wines on here, um, none of them have an ingredient profile. Like, here's what's in it. We put these grapes in it and this amount of water and we filter it this way or do this, that, the other. I don't know if it's like trade secrets or what it is. There's a lot of people in this space making this type of product. So I don't really know why they would keep that a secret. Um, if we look on their website, Jake, I'm just on the Bubbly Rosé main page as if I wanted to add it to my bag. You can see the details are pretty expense or extensive here. Fresh strawberry, watermelon wrapped in a package of lovely fine bubbles and a crisp, refreshing finish. Sounds nice. Sounds very nice. We go under wine facts. 
Uh, 9% alcohol, comes from Monterey County. It is considered a bubbly rosé. We've got tasting notes, 91 points by wineenthusiast.com. And we can even see calories, 85, carbohydrates, 3.3, 0.4 grams of protein. Get yacked, get yoked, folks. Uh, fat zero, sugar zero. So their main thing here is that like we're not adding any sugars to it. There's no added sugar to the wine itself. It is essentially, for all, for all intents and purposes, it is essentially all alcohol. Now, when we look at the alcohol content, across the board for most of their wines, skinny wine from the Skinny Girl collection, as well as this Sunny with a Chance of Flowers, number one when I type in skinny wines on Google right now, um, all of them are eight, seven, seven, eight, nine-ish percent alcohol by volume. When we compare that to a standard wine, standard wines run in the 13 to 20 percent alcohol by volume range. That's kind of where they hang out. Now, when within that range, you're going to expect a higher calorie yield per glass to the tune of 120 up to 150 calories per glass because of that higher alcohol content. I think people look at consuming alcohol or drinking alcohol because a lot of folks just simply, this is outside of their scope of what they know and what they care about. When they think low calorie alcohol or low calorie spirits, lower calorie and I'm trying to get fucked up. I'm trying to get drunk here. What they look at is, is it low on carbohydrates? Is it low on sugar? And if I remove added sugars from something, if I take like a, let's take a white claw that hypothetically is sweetened with sugar versus a white claw that is sweetened with, you know, zero calorie Splenda sucralose, something like that. The, the Splenda sucralose one is going to have lower calories. That's what people think. Like when I remove the sugar from an alcoholic beverage, it has lower calories. And yes, that is true, but most spirits are going to be low in carbohydrate, low in sugar to begin with. So we're talking about removing three to five grams of sugar from these things and that, and thus reducing the calories per serving by what is an essentially negligible amount. So three to five grams of carbohydrates at four calories per gram. We're talking about reducing calories per serving 12 to 20. If you're having 10 drinks in a night, number one problem, maybe. But if you're having 10 drinks in a night, you're only reducing your total calories over the course of the entire night in this hypothetical situation by 120 to 200 calories. So it's really not a ton of calories when you remove the carbohydrates. What packs a punch when we go out drinking in terms of calories is the alcohol content. Alcohol coming in at seven calories per gram. So you can kind of see where this is going now, where the logic train is leading us. These low-calorie wines, low-calorie beers, all of that, they're low-calorie because they're low-alcohol content. And if you're drinking it for the alcohol content, I'm trying to get drunk, opting for these low-calorie spirits is not the way to go because you're going to have to drink a greater absolute volume of them to get the intended effect. Now, if you are someone who just enjoys a glass of wine, you're not trying to get drunk, you're not trying to get buzzed, you're not trying to get tipsy, none of that. You just like 
the experience, the mouthfeel, the taste, all of that of ending your day with a glass of wine. These are fantastic choices and they'll help you save 30 to 50 calories per glass. But if you're just coming out or you're still living your frat boy, your sorority gal lifestyle, and you're trying to get drunk, which again, perfectly fine. We don't judge around here. You want to get drunk? Hell yeah, brother. Let's do it. <clears throat> you want to opt for the higher calorie version of these because with higher calories comes higher alcohol content. So the question was, how are these wines, beers, seltzers, how are they reporting such low, how, how, how are they coming in at low calories when compared to other drink options? And it's because they're removing the carbohydrates, taking out the carbohydrates, artificially sweetening these things. And they're also reducing the alcohol content. So if you look at like light beers, it's all like 3% alcohol and you got to drink like 32 of them to even feel somewhat of a buzz. <clears throat> so again, if your goal is to get buzz, tipsy, drunk, etc., so on and so forth down that chain, you want to choose one of the higher calorie options because more times than not, higher calorie in this category means higher alcohol. The more you know. Maybe that's what we'll name this segment, Jake. All right, that's all that I want to talk about skinny wines for the rest of my life. If you ever have a question about skinny wines, you're going to get referred to this video right here. I'm, I'm done. I'm not talking about it anymore. Jake, let's get into this October 23rd, 2023 client material folder. We'll start with our competitions from last week. Last weekend, the weekend of, oh, geez. Right now, it's October 25th as I record this. So whatever the weekend before that was, was the most successful weekend that Gifted has had on our physique side ever in history. Came home with more overalls, more trophies than we ever have on the bodybuilding side. We're going to get into that and we'll start with Mr. DeSantis, the CEO, head coach, and mastermind behind Team DeSantis. And his merry band of very jacked, very shredded minions. So first picture here, Jeremy, best days of his life. We love to hear that. This really, again, we talked about Jeremy last week. We talked about Team DeSantis picking up speed, picking up steam. The guy's got a jersey on that's number 69. That's nice. We like that. The passion that Jeremy has around bodybuilding, about around prepping athletes, working with them hands-on for posing, you know, nutrition giveaway, nutrition feedback, peaking, continuing education. The guy is legit. And the passion from this post right here shows you exactly that. So as we go down the finishes here, I just zoomed in and I don't know how to zoom out. All right, I figured, oh, Jake. Jake, I need you like live to put these on my screen, Joe Rogan, Jamie style, um, because I'm struggling here. Uh, here is, okay, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I figured it out, Jake, Jake, I figured it out. All right, going down the placings here, we've got first place True Novice, Fit by Ash, first place Novice and Bikini Overall from Andy Kane, first place and third place Open Class A, respectively, Madeline Violatel talked about her last week with that photo shoot. Again, Apex Media, Ryan on all the photos here. First place, Open Class B, Fit by Ash. First place, Open Class C, Andy Kane. Overall, Bikini Champ, Andy Kane. So Andy won, it looks like, Novice. 
her class novice and novice overall and then she won her class in the open and the overall bikini champ so that would be one two three <clears throat> four five six seven eight eight bikini trophies right there including two overalls moving on to the men first place novice physique class b first place class b overall classic physique champion our boy old school grind the last episode with the posing get together that team DeSantis had i said my boy old school grind is looking lethal turns out i was right i'm rarely wrong so it's nice to be right again he took home the overall so again that's one two three trophies there on the men's side with an overall as well we are working with one two three three overalls and then we had deandre come in with a fourth in true novice men's physique first ever show third in novice men's physique men's physique one of those classes that's getting more densely populated with talent as we go so when you look at kind of all the other first place you might say underperformed there but with men's physique being such a densely populated and high skill level class a third and a fourth place finish for your first show ever is actually very very good so deandre solid stuff there and then last but not least d will dennis williams i think his name's dennis if your name's not dennis i'm sorry sorry i got a lot of names to keep up with we'll just use our internet names d will fitness i like that better fourth place for Den oh, it says his name right there dang I'm an idiot. Forgive me, folks. Moving slow. Dennis, fourth. So that class that he, or that show that he competed in had, I think Jeremy said something like 350 athletes or something like that. It's these summer shredding shows. I don't really know what they are. I think they're like, it's like a series of shows, if I remember correctly. Uh, but fourth place finish in classic physique over there. Uh, we should have a picture of him on that. He actually looked nasty. Like, so fourth place must have been a very, very competitive show with how he looked. He looked, in my opinion, like a winner. But fourth place, huge show, 350 competitors. That is a great showing. So another trophy there. Add it to the wall of fame. All right, moving along in our pictures here, some individual shots of Jeremy. Jeremy, your arms look big, man. Arms look very nice. Got the vein popping there. Look at this guy. He's got the he's got the coach point. He's got it all. He's got it all right here. Just some pictures of him with his individual clients as we work our way through here. Another one. On stage. Love that. Some more. Hey, fun fact here. Old school grind. Andy Kane. Overall champions and lovers. Like to see that. Couples that prep together. Do they stay together? It's a good question. Drop that in the comments. Couples that prep together. Do they stay together? Or do they murder each other? Or both. Could it be both? All right, over on our bodybuilding side, wrapping things up here is going to be bodybuilding competition wrap-ups. We still got some more bodybuilding content, so don't don't go anywhere. Is good old Carol Dean, Carol, Carrie Harris, the Harry Harris underscore fit, 
coach at Gifted, and competitor extraordinaire. Uh, stepped on stage, made her comeback after, I think, two and a half years, three years away from the sport. Essentially competed at a very high level, was, you know, one of the best figure competitors in the nation. A uh, little burned out on the sport, a <clears throat> little bit uh, over the, the dieting experience. Took two and a half years off, essentially switched over to CrossFit style training, competed a few times in CrossFit, did the Open, all of that good stuff, and then decided, hey, I'm going to go back to bodybuilding. And boy, howdy, did she make a splash when she got back. Uh, two overall trophies for her as well. So she won the figure overall and the fitness overall. Some of the shots here. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy The turn in terms of, and I'll post up on my Instagram, and I think she has some too on her Instagram. Um, if you want to go check her out, just link somewhere in the description. Who knows? Who cares? Um, <clears throat> to see the muscle that she gained, uh, working over on the CrossFit side. So CrossFit is one of those sports where you get a lot of leg volume, a lot of quads, a lot of glutes, a lot of hamstrings, a lot of shoulders, a lot of back. It's one of those things where like you really couldn't away from bodybuilding. If you weren't going to do bodybuilding purely dedicated to hypertrophy training, and you were going to do another pursuit that was going to have the best carryover for carry over hat, the best carryover for fitness and figure you'd probably go with crossfit style training so you can see the massive improvements that were made here not like her waist got huge and blocky that's what one thing that we see still has crazy taper quads look fantastic muscle density out of this world our commenter here courtney lexus is correct that muscle density is wildfire emoji yes i agree uh i think she got us put a side shot in here and a back shot as well so back shot, back looks crazy. <clears throat> I'm her coach, so I can say this. Uh, definitely going to tighten up glutes and hamstrings going into this next show. So she competes again on the 28th at the Clash Series in Fort Lauderdale. And then she's going to the Amateur Olympia to compete in fitness and fitness alone. <clears throat> Probably. And last but not least, a little power pose here. One of those things where Carrie and I had been talking about this for a while, getting back to stage, redemption, closing a chapter that she had never had the chance or missed the chance of closing previously. We're not done yet, but we're well on our way here to really getting the redemption that she wanted in a dominant fashion. So I posted on my Instagram the other day, redeemed and dominant. That's how I feel about Carrie right now. Um, complete rebirth into the sport. Talk about someone who really had a tough go at things the last time she dipped her toes into bodybuilding or really jumped into bodybuilding. So hitting it in a more sustainable fashion in a way that leaves her in a better place mentally, just really big for her. A lot of people, when they get out of the sport of bodybuilding, they're out forever. Not Carrie, she said. I'm back, bitches. Um, her fitness routine, I think a lot of people aren't familiar with the fitness division in bodybuilding. Uh, the fitness routines are not your traditional posing routines. There is a posing element, but there's also a performance element with required skills. So you have to do, you know, toe touches and, you know, back bends and tumbling and advanced level skills that I don't know the names of because I'm not a gymnastics guy. I know what a muscle-up is. That's what I do. But, Jake, go ahead and run Carrie's routine. Don't play the music. 
uh, I don't know. Can we play the music? Are we going to get DMCA'd if we play the music? Just, just play it. Play the music. Play her routine. Really cool stuff for those who are on the YouTube who maybe aren't familiar with the fitness division. Last but not least, we have a couple transformations in here. Uh, yep, starting with Jason Holt's client, James Owens, getting ready to compete again this year in men's physique. Huge improvements. I would say the physique that James is showcasing here on the right is about where he finished his previous prep um, and got on stage. So with time to go, not getting on stage quite yet, still some weeks left in prep to sharpen up and get better. Huge improvements, and that's what we want to see year over year, show over show. Don't have to be the best on any given day, but if you get better every single time you do it, eventually no one will be able to stop you, which makes you the best. Huge progress for James, stoked on that. Juan Pineda, a client of mine, <clears throat> four-month cut right here. I think I think a lot of people and the on the left here is a very intentional bulk. I told Juan, we're going to push your weight higher than we ever have before. And you're probably going to be like, hey, I don't really, you know, like what I look like here. But oftentimes where you look your best and where you perform your best are not the same. And where you perform your best is where you add the most muscle. So that's kind of where we were on the left. I think a lot of people can kind of identify with that physique right there. Maybe that's your starting point. You can kind of see four months of work, 20 pounds of fat loss, nothing crazy in terms of super restrictive dieting or cardio. And we're working with a what most people would consider a dream physique 
on the right. So nothing nothing from Juan in terms of impressive transformations ever surprises me just because I know how much of a hard worker he is. But really, really solid stuff here from Juan. Love to see it. Hard worker. You like to see that transformation. Cat Baptista getting on stage in a few days here. So this photo on the right is about a week and a half, two weeks old. Um, has made huge improvements even from this right here. So humongous transformation right there. Peak of offseason. Again, really pushed her weight up. Where you feel your best, where you look your best are often not the same. So I tell people all the time. Stole that from Alberto Nunez, I think. Berto, I think is the one who said that. Someone from 3DMJ said it. Um, so really pushed her weight up, stripped it all down. Arms and delts look insane. I wish we had a back shot here so you could see what her back looks like. Absolutely nuts. Told Kat if you want to keep competing in bikini, <laughs> no more training upper body. Another crazy transformation from Kat as she gets ready to get on stage. Just another one, off-season, hard worker, puts her head down, eats her food, doesn't complain. Love it. And last but not least is an advertisement, an unintentional advertisement, but an advertisement nonetheless for Mr. Plaza's posing services. So this is my client, uh, Rachel. Rachel, I know your name. I don't know why I said uh there. It's Rachel. Good old Rachel Pollard. Um, second in the world in INBF fit body division. Should have been first, honestly. If they were looking for conditioning, Rachel brought it. So what did we do in the offseason? We said, let's get yoked as shit. And that's what she did. You can kind of see here the transformation of opening up those lines. This is why you work with a posing coach. You work with a posing coach because they're going to bring out your absolute best presentation on stage. How long do you get on stage? You get a couple minutes. You better nail your presentation or you're going to get quote unquote overlooked as people call it. So with that fit body division in this pose, we're really looking to see the width of the back. Rachel and I spent a year over a year focusing on her lats and building up her back so being able to showcase that like we are here showing the, the width of the lats rather than crunching it down opening it up this is why you work with a posing coach like anthony link to anthony services somewhere all right, that wraps up our client material section. Again, if you want to be featured in this section, make sure you're tagging us on your story. That way Jake can grab it, screenshot it, and send it over to me for approval and discussion. Now we are finishing things up with our Reddit straggler questions. Let's jump right in. Jake, I'm going to start at 4631 here right at the top. All right, so this first question is about a... Honestly, I got this question in my DMs like two weeks ago too. Um, so it's a question that a lot of people have and it's a popular topic. Is it true that seed oils are less healthy for us and cause inflammation? I'm pretty uneducated on cooking oils, been reading seed oils are bad, cause inflammation in the body and can contribute to cancer. How true is this? So face value, it is true. Consumption of plant oils for most individuals in the United States is too high. And what we're seeing here is that the omega-6s, which are rich in plant oils, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio for the average individual, I believe it's supposed to be 7 to 1. People can correct me. This is off the top of my head here. I believe it's supposed to be 7 to 1 in terms of the intake. Maybe 6 to 1 for omega-6 to omega-3. What we're seeing 
from the average American is a ratio of consumption that's like 20 to 1 or 30 to 1. What happens in the body when we see this imbalance in these fatty acids, this favoring of omega-6s over omega-3s, is we do see the proliferation of low-grade inflammation. Low-grade low grade inflammation contributes to a milieu of issues within the body. Cancer can be one of them. So I'm not... I'm not going to make the jump and be like, yo, if you consume a lot of seed oils and not a lot of omega-3s, like you're basically signing your name to get cancer. The, the increase in risk is relatively small, but a relatively small and avoidable increase in risk of cancer is something that we should address. So yes, this is true. How overblown is it? Probably a good amount. Probably a good amount because when we look at populations that consume the most seed oils versus those who consume the most omega-3 rich oils, what we're seeing is that individuals who consume a lot of omega-3s are often physically active, consume a balanced diet. They're doing the things that are making them healthier globally as a whole. When we look at those who are consuming a lot of omega-6s, they're usually getting it from processed foods. And if they're consuming a ton of processed foods, they're probably engaging in behaviors that match up with that specific lifestyle factor. So they're physically inactive, sedentary lifestyle, possibly smoking, possibly drinking a good amount, high-stress individuals. All of those put together will contribute to cancer far more than just seed oils on their own. So again, this is one of those questions where you got to bring the nuance. Is it true that seed oils in isolation reasonably consumed within the scope of a healthy diet will cause inflammation and increase cancer risk? No, probably not. When you lump in all of those other factors that I mentioned, then we see the increase in cancer risk. So this individual is close, close, just needed a little bit of clarification there. Up next on our questions is from Little Runner Boy. I don't know if I like that or hate that. I think I hate it. I'm going to go with I hate it. <clears throat> he asks, theoretically, what's the... Oh, God. Theoretically, what's the functional difference between a multivitamin and greens powder? Theoretically, on a micronutrient basis, there's no difference between the two. Most greens powders essentially have just blended up multivitamins in them. So for a vitamins and minerals standpoint, they're roughly the same. Most greens powders will say, our green, our micronutrients come from natural sources, increasing bioavailability. But when you, you know, flash, cook, blend pulverize, process a million times over these greens, you lose a good amount of that bioavailability. So if bioavailability is higher, and I'm not willing to take the jump and say that it is, in greens powders, it's higher by a marginal amount, by a small, small amount. Now, most greens powders also have various other ingredients in them that are of unsure of insignificant benefit proposed benefits, theoretical benefits. I'm glad we're speaking theoretically here because we really have to. So they've got adaptogens and nootropics and phytonutrient blends. How much does that stuff contribute to your health? Who knows? Who knows? It's hard to say. So when we look at greens powders versus multivitamins, both 
are carrying the micronutrients, vitamins and minerals that you need, usually in the quantities that are, you know, around that 60 to 100% of your daily value amount. So that's good, covering your bases micronutrient wise. And then you take a massive price leap to the greens powders for ingredients that have proposed theoretical benefits. And me personally, and my clients, we are not comfortable paying an additional 70, 80, 90, $100 per month on theoretical benefits. Because the benefits of just consuming a varied diet that's full of various colored fruits and vegetables will for sure, evidence-based, research-backed, improve your health more than a greens powder. So greens powders, very expensive. Do they do anything? It's a maybe. So if you got $100 to spend on a maybe, go for it. I gotta stop talking about greens powders. People don't like that. People, people are crazy about their greens powders, man. They love that stuff. <clears throat> All right. Next question from not continual levity. Interesting. Uh, how can fruit sugars be so much healthier while still similar to... Oh, I already answered this one. I answered this one, I think, in a reel. Um, fruit sugars themselves are not healthier than manufactured sugars. Essentially, consumption, food goes in, manufactured, or fruit broken down into glucose used within the body for various purposes. That's the path of glucose, whether it comes from fruit or it comes from manufactured sources. What makes fruit consumption healthier than ho-ho and ding-dong and manufactured sugars is what comes with it. So you get fiber, you get phytonutrients, and oftentimes you get some vitamins and some minerals found in fruits and vegetables as well. Whereas in manufactured food products that are high in sugar, you're not getting the same thing. Manufactured foods that are high in sugar are often also high in fat, very high in tastiness as well. They rank very high on that food pleasure scale, which means that we are more likely to overconsume them. So that's where kind of the unhealthy side of this comes. It's not from consuming the food in small amounts in isolation. It's the fact that I can eat a thousand calories of Oreos very easily. I can eat it mindlessly without even thinking about it. <clears throat> I cannot, even if I try my hardest, eat 1000 calories worth of apples. I would throw up well before I ever got to the 1,000 calorie mark. So the unhealthy side on the manufactured foods would be more so about the risk of or likelihood of overconsumption leading to weight gain and all of the negative ramifications that come with uncontrolled weight gain. That's the answer to that one. All right, our fourth one, and where we will finish for the day. Is it true, was this question from Maximum Preparation 3. Is it true that whom, human, humans, humans don't need fiber in their diet? Where the fuck do these questions come from? Who's saying that? Who's saying? God, but they consume fiber anyway. Maybe this is a lot of bro science. I listen to various podcasts, especially the no-carb and carnivore diets. Nice, yeah. This is where this this is where this ideology comes from. Of like, you don't need fiber, you don't need vegetables. Uh, the Liver King, Jake. Maybe you can find the clip of the Liver King saying, "Why eat vegetables when you have testicles? When you can eat testicles? Something like that. It's fucking insanity." Um, but this ideology of not needing fruits and vegetables and fiber really comes from the 
originally from like the keto, low carb, and then the carnivore diet folks kind of took it from there. So yes, it is true that humans don't need fiber in their diets. It's not an essential nutrient. Now, when we look at nutrients that are consumed in the diet, we have two categories, essential and non-essential. Essential means that I must get it from the diet because the body cannot produce it. I have to get these things from the diet. So we have things like essential amino acids. The body cannot produce them. We must get them from the diet. Essential fatty acids. Fatty acids that we must get from the diet. We can't produce them naturally. Non-essential nutrients would be things that the body can essentially repackage other pieces to create. So when we look at things like carbohydrate non-essential amino acids, those are non-essential because the body can produce them. So when we say, is it true that humans don't need fiber in their diets? When you say need in your diet, I think survival. Does a human being die if it doesn't eat fiber? No, it doesn't. The human can survive without fiber. But that doesn't survival isn't the baseline. We're not like, hey, I'm going to wake up today and I'm, you know, just going to try and survive. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to thrive. And to thrive, we need good health. For good health, there's plenty of research to support that fiber doesn't have to be an insane amount of fiber. Fruits, vegetables, naturally derived sources of fiber will improve your health, will improve your lipid profile, will improve your digestion, will improve bowel movements, will improve, everyone loves gut health, will improve your gut microbiome. Fiber, while not essential in terms of I need it to survive, offers a ton of benefits to the human system, the biological system, that we wouldn't get without it. So do I need to be consuming massive amounts of fiber in the diet? No, you don't. But incorporating what I like to call adult eating, some fruits and vegetables, will be in the best interest of your health long term. How about that? That's a nice easy one. So again, like always, we come back to it. It's all about the nuance. Whether we're talking skinny wines, whether we're talking bodybuilding prep, fat loss, muscle gain, we come back to, it's a discussion. It is a nuanced discussion that we must have. That wraps us up for episode two. Moving forward, we definitely want to, it is our goal to start bringing back guests once a month. So one of these episodes will start like this, and then we'll cut over to whoever our guest is for that week. Those will obviously be longer discussions, longer episodes. So if you do just prefer this first section, go ahead and listen to that. If you hate this first section, you want to skip to the guest, you can do that as well. But those episodes will be coming soon. We're looking to put those out once a month or possibly once every two months to make sure that the quality doesn't suffer because we want to put out so much quantity. That wraps us up for episode two. Obviously, Jake is going to link all the stuff that you need in the bottom. New apparel, retreat, coaching application, all of that good stuff you can find down below. Click those links. Don't forget all the stuff that you know keeps this podcast relevant, keeps it going out to everyone, is the likes, the comments, the subscribes, the notification bell. Hit all those buttons. And when you comment, maybe, maybe you don't even comment once. Maybe you comment. Maybe you make it your goal. I'm going to comment once in the first 10 minutes and again in the second 10 minutes and so on and so forth. So it's like every 10 minutes kind of thing. You just, 
you just let me know how you're feeling about what I'm saying. That's your goal. That's your homework. Be a gold star student. Get your homework done. And I'll see you on the next one. Stay gifted. Guys, I'm Rusty. Don't hate me.